And a very, very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the January 17, 2020 edition of Friday Live. I'm Jim. And this is Cheryl. Welcome. And Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here on this, I guess, cold and blustery day. I've not been out for a while. You, you just came back from a shopping spree. Quite brisk, but it's the wind, you know. It brings mm. in that wind chill factor. But either way, it's cold. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear Jim. Are we going to have Jim today? No, he's in a meeting. Oh, we don't have the he real just, He gym? texted me that he had an emergency meeting, so I'll have to do the weather. We will have the poor weather imitation. Yeah. No, I'll just But that's it, okay. Specifically, I need to know if I get to stay home in my jammies tomorrow. I love snow days, ice days where you can't go anywhere. Mm. Um, and I'll rip apart a closet or we can go through, oh, you know, we want to go through that room upstairs and sort through all those papers. Can't you? Don't you just hope we could do that? What, a snow day and work? <laughs> We're working all week. I know. If it's a snow day, we should throw a couple of logs on the fire and open a bottle of wine. That's what I say. All right. Okay. <laughs> or scotch, whatever your preference is. <laughs> all right. Uh, and just hang out. That would be a fun thing to well, do. Well, that's good too. Yeah. I'm just kind of relaxed. Although I don't. I we'll find out because I'll, I'll. I haven't looked at the weather yet, but I'll check it out at our break because I'll be doing it in Jim's stead. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think it wasn't supposed to start until like mid afternoon anyway. So yeah. Might not be. Well, people know that I'm a music director, and every Saturday and Sunday I'm out there traveling mm-hmm. to my place. Yeah. Well, so. today we have a lovely program for you. Joining us a little later on this hour will be Christina Chase, and she's written a book called It's Good to Be Here. And, and where would that be? Well, it, here on the planet Earth and alive and well, she's a disabled woman, oh, and her book is a book of reflections on God in the flesh and the sacred wonder of being human. So she's going to talk about that. And then next hour, I, I love uh, Dr. Paul Thigpen. Uh, he's going to join us, and he's written a book called Saints Who Saw Hell. All right. It's the real deal. And Dr. Thigpen will tell us all about that. Good. Uh, as I said, Jim is in a meeting. He could not be here today, but um, I'll do the weather in his stead. We have some music. We'll play Saint of the Day. Uh, next hour, also, we'll have our gospel reading, and our reflection this week is by our friend Father Chris Rogers. Mm-hmm. And our short little block of ordinary time. That's right. So, uh, and as I heard, well, you'll hear, because I heard a little bit of Father Chris's homily, there's nothing ordinary about, about ordinary, ordinary time. time. Yes. Um, so, Father Chris will share that with us. But also, uh, friends, we want to remind you that we are coming to you live right now. If you're uh, listening at four o'clock on this Friday, uh, January 17th, coming to you live. Uh, on our video platforms, YouTube channel at youtube.com slash domestic church media. Also, streaming video on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash domestic church media. And we're also streaming live video on our homepage, domesticchurchmedia.org, as well as audio on the Amazon Echo devices and the Google Home devices. Just say, play domestic church media, and you'll hear us that way, streaming live on our website and also our. Very, very uh, special domestic church media mobile app for your mobile devices. All kinds of ways to listen and watch. Question for you. If I'm driving just out and about and I have my phone. First of all, yeah, you have your phone. You're not on. No, no, no. But and if I were to, before I actually begin moving, open the app and listen to the radio, does that drain what is it? Storage data? or data? Yeah. Doesn't use a lot of data. Doesn't use a no, lot of data. No, doesn't use a lot of data. And, and you, in fact, I think when we when we went out for Anthony's wedding a few years ago and drove out to Michigan, I had the app on a lot. Or we went down to EWTN for Mother's funeral. I had it on the whole time. Okay. And it doesn't use a lot of data. Just like the uh, the Amazon Echo device doesn't use a lot of data in the mm-hmm. car. 
Mm-hmm. So is that like that roaming looking for a Wi-Fi or something? <laughs> Okay, yeah. we'll yeah, it's talk roaming, about. Looking for a wife. I'm making a list of what we can talk about at dinner tonight. Okay, so. fine, fine. You'll no, explain. What are we having for dinner? I was just thinking about that. By the way, I'm hungry. <laughs> We're gonna pray our prayer for the new year, and then our prayer to Saint Michael and uh, to the Blessed Mother, and also invite you friends to join us in uh, spiritually in raising up your special intentions, whatever they are. We begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O sacred and adorable Trinity, hear our prayers on behalf of our Holy Father, the Pope our bishops, our clergy, and for all that are in authority over us. Bless we beseech thee during the coming year, the whole Catholic Church convert heretics and unbelievers, soften the hearts of sinners so that they may return to thy friendship. Give prosperity to our country and peace among the nations of the world. Pour down thy blessings upon our friends, relatives, and acquaintances, and upon our enemies, if we have any. Assist the poor and the sick. Have pity on the souls of those whom this past year thou hast taken from us, and do thou be merciful to those who during this coming year will be summoned before thy judgment seat. May all our actions be preceded by thy inspirations and carried on by thy assistance, so that all our prayers and works, having having begun in thee, may likewise be ended through thee. Amen. And we'll pray as our Holy Father requested our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. (laughs) And the Subtum Presidium prayer to our Blessed Mother. We pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And we fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions in our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray, pray for, for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I, where did I put my subtum presidium prayer? I don't know, but I covered you. I got, I know you got did. your back. And you know what I was looking for? What? Now, maybe there's somebody listening that works for one of those um, publishing companies or, or calendar companies. We used to have sitting here, but it was for last year, a good Catholic calendar. I know exactly you. who sent that to us. Oh. Uh, it Patricia, had all the saints. Patricia, if you're listening, if you have a new one for the new year, send it over. Oh. Had all the saints, it was like the old calendar yeah. too, right? And, you know, I know a lot of them, but the, the, what I call the lesser saints, the ones that maybe I don't aren't have such a huge devotion to, but they're, they're saints almost every day. So we could always ask for extra prayers. Well, today is St. Anthony the Abbot, St. Anthony of the Desert. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, I bought his, there's a collection of his teachings. Okay. And it's in the chapel there, and I had forgotten that I had it. My intention was that year, two years ago, was to bring it with me to the desert. Well, let's do I'm that this year. I'm going to bring it to the desert this year. We need a good all... Holy Spiritual reading. He uh, he was quoted a lot, um, uh, especially regarding the, the activity of the, the devil. So it kind of fits uh-huh. in with uh, <laughs> Dr. Thigpen. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, coming up uh, in just a bit will be our guest, Christina Chase, written a book called It's Good to Be Here. Uh, she is a disabled woman, and the book is a reflection on uh, God and his action in her life, and she'll talk all about that. So we're going to take a quick break, 
And when we come back, we'll be joined by Christina Chase. So don't go away, friends. More to come on Friday Live.
Alrighty, welcome back. That was glorious day. I don't know the artist. Do you know the artist? Passion. Passion. Okay, very good. Well, uh, we, joining us now, uh, Christina Chase has written a book. It's called It's Good to Be Here, A Disabled Woman's Reflection on God in the Flesh and the Sacred Wonder of Being Human. And we want to welcome you to the program, Christina. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. It's good to have you here with us. Thank you. It's good to be here on this glorious day. There you go. (laughs) And we're anxious to hear about how you feel God has his hand in making many days glorious days for you, Christina. Well, I've always been grateful for the gift of life. Um, Even though I have a a genetic progressive disease that causes quite severe uh, physical disability, and dependency, I see the beauty of the world around me, the beauty of God's creation, um, the beauty that comes from my parents who have always been so loving in their care for me, so self-giving. And uh, it's this gratitude that really was my first experience with God's love. Is, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, because you may just give a little background on on your physical situation and how it was. It uh, were you born uh, this with this disability, or is it gradual as you uh, you know grew up? Yes, um, it's it's both. Um, uh, my parents were both carriers of a genetic flaw, and they both passed that on to me. So I was a healthy looking little baby. My parents had no idea that they were carriers of a disease. Um, it's called spinal muscular atrophy. And so what happened is um, it basically affects the nerve cells from the spinal cord that go out to the muscles of the legs, the torso, the neck, the arms. And I never walked, and every year I got progressively weaker, losing abilities, and the progression and the weakening uh, continues so that now I'm, I've always been dependent on others, but you know, at this point I can't even like feed myself or pick up a pen. I used the good benefits of technology and mm-hmm. had a dictation system to help me write this book. So, is this something then? Do you remember? Um, do you remember your early earliest years? Or you just remember yourself being in a wheelchair from the as, as far back as you can recall, or have you ever, um, you know, remembered times when you didn't need that type of help? No, I always remember needing help. You know, I didn't actually get a wheelchair. Until I was about four years old, mm. my parents just carried me everywhere. You know, that's what parents do, right, with, with their little babies. And I was quite small. I'm still quite small. Mm. So I remember being in a stroller, and I remember my first wheelchair. I named it Wheelie. <laughs> and I remember when I was eight years old, I got my first power wheelchair. Mm. So it was electric. I could make it go by myself. Wow, did you need a license for (laughs) Did you need a license for that? (laughs) I should have had some training, definitely. There are a lot of marks in our house about the level where I would hit the wall, you know, Mm because I didn't quite master it right away. Mm Well, this this is something, Christina. You know, the, first of all, the title of the book is beautiful. It's good to be here. Is a lot of people from the outside looking in, looking at you, perhaps, or you know, I know myself being slightly handicapped. I'm a post polio. I, I have a, a brace on my right leg. Uh, no muscular development there at all, and, and have always been dependent on that. But I get around, and I, you know, it's been a a bit of a handicap, but but not not enough to to to, to stop me completely. But I know that you are looked at differently, and people do see individuals this way. It's gotten a lot better than it was when I was young. But, but uh, So how, how do you, especially as a Catholic, as a Christian, how do you 
how do you combine the two? How do you see God in all of this? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, well, I think, you know, I, my mother was often asked the question, you know, do you ever say, why, you know, why me? And like her, I've never asked why me. Um, like she says, why not me? Um, we know that people go through sufferings and have disabilities and, you know, these things that we, we see as tragedies in their lives. And, of course, I'm not, I'm not so special that this shouldn't happen to me. You know, why not me? Um, as for seeing God in it, I've, I've, always, I've always known that I'm loved. And so I knew that my disability didn't make me unlovable. Um, I've always been surrounded by this sense of beauty, you know, seeing beauty and really enjoying life. And so I know that disabilities don't disable joy. So I've never been angry at God. I think when I was a teenager, it was probably the hardest, especially, you know, people, you said people maybe look at you differently. And so it was hard to be different than everyone else, and sometimes... I definitely wished that I was like everyone else, but then I would just kind of, you know, accept it because I'm here, mm -hmm. and I see my body as how I'm here. Without my body, I wouldn't be here, and this is how my body is. And yeah, there are a lot of things I can't do, that's for sure, and it's been very frustrating at times in my life, but there are so many things that I can do. And so, you know, growing up, that's really been um, a saving grace to me. And I'm sure the, the grace that you received to, to view it this way and to remain, you know, positive and, and have thanks and gratitude, a lot of that must have also come from your parents and how they dealt with it. I mean, they kind of set up this uh, scenario and... Uh, how how they dealt with things, you know, comes down to you, and, and then you reflect how they're handling the whole situation. Yes, absolutely. Our families uh, truly are the most important beginning that we can have. You know, they teach us so much, and they show us so much. And my parents always gave me an example of self-giving love, you know, which is the love of God, that's divine love. And we're all called to reflect that in whatever way that we can. Of course, I didn't always recognize it that way because I wasn't, I was, you know, my faith wasn't all that strong when I was a teenager, and I even uh, journeyed away from the church, mm. um, from Christianity, and, but I came back because what I saw in Christ was was really this this knowledge that you know, what I've always known, that being here is a true blessing and a privilege. Um, God didn't see human littleness or dependency to be beneath His awesome majesty. He chose to become one of us, to be little like us, to live an ordinary life, and so, and also, of course, to suffer with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that my parents gave me the first example of Christ. They modeled Christ for me. They reflected God's love. And then later when I became an adult and made the explorations of faith, 
and found Christ, then, of course, I saw what my parents were modeling um, all along throughout my life, and I had the fullness in my faith and in my relationship with God, with God in the flesh. We're talking with Christina Chase, and the book is called It's Good to Be Here, A Disabled Woman's Reflections on God and the Flesh and the Sacred Wonder of Being Human. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. That's sophiainstitute.com. Christina, the, who did you write the book for? Is it for people in, in your situation, or is it for people to learn God's, about God's presence in all life? Well, first I wanted to write a book for people who read my blog have been blogging for about six years. And then, yeah, the question was, okay, I need to think bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You know, not that many people read my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what's the message? What do I want to say? And I really did not write this book for people who are specifically um, disabled or diseased or chronically ill, or even for people who are particularly suffering. I wrote this book for people who simply may have lost the sense of joy in their Christian faith, and also, more generally, for people who may fail to see the profound worth and goodness of life here and now. So it's... I'm sorry, again. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, people suffer in so many ways, um, mentally, physically, uh, not necessarily having a, a certain type of physical handicap, but just other pain. And, and you know, they, they have to journey through this. And just like yourself, that journey away to then come back even stronger with that love of God. So I, I believe um, so many people can benefit from from reading your book, and, and we thank you for sharing what had to be difficult, you know, to, to reflect back. Yeah, I wanted to, you know, when you talk about that, it, it can be helpful for people who are suffering. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, of course, every human suffers. Right. You yeah. know, and it may, not be a, it may not be an obvious suffering. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you just looked at me, you would say, oh, but I know what your suffering is. Yeah. And you would be right in many ways, but, um, you know, not being able to walk is not my greatest suffering. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, people, you know, being human, um, it, suffering is part of being human. We are imperfect. You know, weakened will, darkened intellect. We're too little to see the big picture, and we often don't trust in God's loving will, in his reasons for creating us. Um, so I hope that this book will, um, you know, give people a little insight into my particular sufferings, mm-hmm. um, and I try to be very honest, and uh, I'd be a little brave to, uh, to write mm-hmm. some of the things that I wrote, but that they can also see their own suffering even if it may be a vastly different kind. Exactly, exactly. What a witness to, you know, the people in your circle, in in your world, in your corner of of the neighborhood or something. What a beautiful witness. Jim and I both know um, a young woman, adult, with uh, many physical disabilities, yet we might see her, you know, maybe once or twice a year. It's miraculous, and I just think God is amazing in what she is so different from, you know, your average person you might pass on the street. Yes, she's she's driving, she's singing in a choir, she 
tells great stories. She tells jokes. She has a smile on her face. She's glowing. And I thought, how would I be? You know, and it makes me stop and think, okay, stop complaining about silly little petty things. You know, look at the hardship. And yet she's so joyful, but she's got the love of God and, you know, our faith And I don't know if she ever fell away or traveled around, you know, with the journey, but she certainly is on board with um, heavenly things now and and just such a witness to so many people. So it just really makes you say God is is truly amazing in in what he does. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I think that um, disability or chronic illness, anything that makes us feel helpless or dependent. Mm. I think that um, it, it causes us to stop and think, wait a minute, who's really independent? You know, what do we really have that is ours? Mm-hmm. You know, everything is a gift. And I think that, you know, that I guess it's a, it's a humble approach, it's a little approach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a kind of like knowing that we are all beggars before God. And yet, it's a good thing, you know, we're not demeaned by being beggars because God is so amazingly generous. And if we're just willing to open up our little begging bowls, mm-hmm. then God will fill it with divine love and mercy and His strength and joy. Mm. Yeah, amen. And, you know, also, Christina, I always thought, too, my, in, my own, you know, in my own situation, that this is just temporary. It's just a little temporary speck in the realm of eternity. So uh, God allowed it for whatever reason, and and, and and we're in the situations we're in, but he always does allow it to bring about a greater good. And so uh, what your book shares with your readers is just that, is all the good. It is good to be here and all the good that God can do through each one of his children, regardless of uh, imperfections, because we're all imperfect. Um, so we want to thank you for writing the book. Uh, we've been talking, uh, friends, with Christina Chase. The book is called It's Good to Be Here, A Disabled Woman's Reflection on God in the Flesh and the Sacred Wonder of Being Human, published by Sophia Institute Press, sophiainstitute.com. Um, and now you say you don't have many people who read your blog, Christina. Let's get the word out. What's your blog? <laughs> how, can yeah, they, right. how can they get to that blog? Mm-hmm. You can go to authorchristinachase.com. AuthorChristinaChase.com. There you okay. go. So I hope you get a lot more readers. And, <laughs> all righty. Well, you have a blessed day, Christina. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you for writing the book. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. God, God bless, bless you. you. All right, friends, you stay where you are. Going to take a quick break, come back with the weather and more. Don't go away.
Grace on top of grace. That's kind of like uh, hot fudge on top of ice cream. <laughs> you read my mind. What? I did, eh? <laughs> you really, really did. We've been married a long time. Then. We're thinking the same things. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Grace on top of grace. Very nice. Uh, so let's see. As I said, Jim can't be here today because he got called into a meeting at 430. So uh, he can't join us. So that means that I'm going to have to do the weather. All right. All right. So I got to put my little jingle on here. Then I'm when Jim's not here. I get well, all that's con- right. A good thing I, your name is Jim. I however, I get all confused. Yeah. God <laughs> it just throws us out of the routine. So we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. All righty. That means it's time for the domestic church media forecast. And well, for the first time in the new year, it looks like there might be some inclement weather on the way. And I'll do the weather as best I can. I don't have the sophisticated type of equipment that Jim has, mm-hmm. um, but I'll certainly check the uh, daily forecast. There is you can a... open that door there and, and look outside. No, I can't. This door, if I open it, I can't close it. All right, so we're depending <laughs> totally on the... Don't leave that door closed. <laughs> when you open it up, the bottom falls out. I need a new door. And, All right, uh, there's fr- always some little thing, Our right? friend Gary, uh, has he's measured the doors. So I think Gary's going to take care of it for me. Gary, if you're listening, I know you're a good man. He helps Thank us you, out Gary. in so many ways. Miss seeing you. Um, so there is a winter weather advisory in effect in the Domestic Church Media listening area. So let's mm-hmm. take a look at that, first of all. Which is why, though, you're talking from the shore all the way to Staten Island. Now, tonight, partly cloudy skies this evening will be overcast overnight. Some mixed winter precipitation possible tonight, even. Hmm. And then tomorrow, we're looking at cloudy with snow developing during the afternoon. And then there's going to be a mixed winter precipitation possible uh, tomorrow uh, if afternoon entering into the evening with snow, snow accumulating one to three inches. It'll be about 35 degrees. Tomorrow night, rain and snow showers in the evening, uh, about 33 degrees, remaining overcast late overnight. And Sunday, though, almost 40 degrees and mostly sunny. So anything on the ground is going to melt fast. Yeah. Thanks be to God, because otherwise I'll fall down. Yeah, we don't need you falling down. No, I don't want to fall down. And then Monday, which is a holiday, right? Monday yes. a holiday? Uh, not for me. I'll be working. 
On Martin Luther King Day? Yeah, I'm not closed on Martin Luther King Day. We close on the holy days. Is there an employee calendar? Oh, boy, I I better get up to snuff here. I better go to the Human Resources Department and complain about that. (laughs) That's right. You can talk to yourself after the show. I will. I will wear my Human Resources hat that day (laughs) and wait for customers. Anyway, Monday, the holiday, it's going to be sunny all day long, 33 degrees, so a nice January sunny day. Chipper. Chipper, that's right. Looking ahead to next week. A Tuesday, mostly sunny, 35 degrees. Wednesday, sunny, 39. Thursday, partly cloudy, 44. And next Friday, 45 degrees. So mm-hmm. tomorrow will be like, if, if you enjoy snow, tomorrow is your day. your day. Let's hope it's the mm-hmm. last snow we have. I don't want any more after that. The first and the last. The last. I, I, I have nothing to do with snow. But you know, I look ahead here on my little app on, on the upcoming weeks. I don't see a day after next Friday that goes below 40 degrees. Oh, my goodness. On, on what Jan- a mild winter. To January 31st. I like that. I'm really all for that. But we're not done yet. Like, you know, anything could happen in February. And we yeah, know but March then, you know, is... then March, if you have snow in March, it's like it, it's a, it's a, it it's a really fading, fading snow because mm-hmm. the sun is at a higher angle and melts it fast. And spring is on. And then spring. You can, almost, you can almost smell the flowers blooming. Well, I wouldn't go that far. All right. Well, we wouldn't go that far. That's your weather forecast. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. They're heroic and virtuous, living in sanctity. But guess what? When on earth they were just like you and me. And now they're the saint of the day. Saint of the day, oh yeah. Okay, saint of the day. Huh? <laughs> what? Nothing, <laughs> just having a wonderful day. Did you see I said at my karaoke over here? I, yeah, that's been there a little bit. Have you been singing? I, I've not. I start, I was singing before Christmas because we were going to have a little, little little thing with our friends that one night. Right. And I, so I haven't, but I set it up again because I want to start getting my voice in shape. So we need a gig. Well, not so yet. I got to. I got to warm up. I, I know. Got to warm up. Somebody out there will be having an affair. That the other may night, be a singer. The other night, when we were we were babysitting for our grandchildren, and you, of course Joseph and Tori were going to be home late, so you slept over their house, and I drove home. Uh, I put on Sinatra's trilogy album all the way home, mm. and I sang every song and knew every word all the way home. Oh, that's good practice. It was. It's the lyrics. It's the lyrics, but I I knew them. I, I remembered them, so I was happy about that. Well, you did that for years. So. True. But anyway, now it's time to play Saint of the Day. And uh, that means that we're going to give you some clues about the saint that we've chosen to be our saint of the day. It's not Saint Anthony the Abbot or Saint Anthony of the Desert, whose feast day we celebrate today. It's a different saint, a saint that uh, Cheryl will give clues for. So listen carefully. Uh, and then when she comes to the last clue, she'll say this is the last clue. Then, if you think you know who our saint of the day is, you can give us a call at 609-493-TALK. That's 609 609- Four nine three eight two five five, but don't call until Cheryl says this is the last clue. Six zero nine four nine three eight two five five. Now let's play Saint of the Day. I feel like this is going to be a tough one. I don't know. No, I, I don't know anything about this particular saint, but that says that means nothing. Some of you guys out there are true experts. So the saint that we have chosen was born near Brescia in northern Italy. He was the second of three sons. His father, Giorgio, was a lawyer. 
editor, and eventually a member of the Italian Chamber of Deputies. His mother was very involved in Catholic action. It doesn't say a date when he was born, but he was ordained in 1920, so he's not an old, older, older years Keep past reading. saint. Keep I'm, reading. I'm reading. Okay. I'm giving my commentary. Okay. Today's saint did graduate uh, studies in literature, philosophy, and canon law in Rome before he joined the Vatican Secretariat of State in 1924, and he worked there for 30 years. In 1954, today's saint was named Archbishop of Milan, where he sought to win disaffected workers back to the Catholic Church. In 1958, he was the first of 23 cardinals named by Pope John XXIII, two months after the latter's election as Pope. As a cardinal, he helped in preparing Vatican II and participated enthusiastically in its first sessions. When he was elected Pope in June of 1963, he immediately decided to continue that council, which had another three sessions before its conclusion on December 8, 1965. He had stunned the world by visiting the Holy Land in 1964 and meeting the ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople in person. He made eight more international trips, including one in 1965 to visit New York City and speak on behalf of peace before the United Nations General Assembly. He also visited India, Colombia, Uganda, and seven Asian countries. In 1965, he instituted the World Synod of Bishops and the next year decreed that bishops must offer their resignations when they reach age 75. In 1970, he decided that cardinals over 80 would no longer vote in papal conclaves or head the Holy See's major offices. He had increased the number of cardinals significantly, giving many countries their first cardinal. Eventually establishing diplomatic relations between the Holy See and 40 countries, he also instituted a permanent observer mission at the United Nations in 1964. He wrote seven encyclicals, his last one in 1968 on human life, humana vitae. So now the last clue. 609-493-8255 is the number to call to win a prize. He died at Castle Gandolfo on August 6, 1978, and was buried in St. Peter's Basilica, canonized by Pope Francis on October 14th, 2018. All righty, we do have a contestant on the line. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Maureen. I'm calling from South River, New Jersey. Maureen from South River. Hey, sure, I went to South River High School. I think we spoke before, did we not, Maureen? Um, yeah, I think we did. Maybe in I chemistry class. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maureen, who do you think today's saint is? Um, is it Pope Saint Saint Paul VI. Yes. Saint Paul VI is the correct answer. Very good, Maureen. That is you, correct. How did you know that one? I guess I should know. Thank oh. you. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I, I was. I remember that he was elected pope in '63. Um, I remember being a child and Pope John Paul XXIII dying and mm. Pope Paul VI. Um, Rising to the uh, papacy. Mm -hmm. Yes. So are, yeah, you, are you are you a native of South River? 
growing up South River? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm actually from uh, Western Pennsylvania originally. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Very good. What's well, your parish there in South River? In the Pittsburgh area. Oh, okay. Um, actually, I belong to St. Thomas the Apostle in Oldbridge. In Oldbridge. Oh, okay, Andrea. Very good. Well, congratulations, Maureen. Uh, Saint, Pope St. Saint Pope Paul VI <laughs> is the correct answer, and you are today's winner. So I'm going to put you on hold, so don't hang up. Cheryl will get on the line and take some information from you to send you your fabulous prize. <laughs> and thank you for playing with us today. Thank you so much to both of you. I really appreciate okay. it. Okay. I always enjoy listening. Oh, thank That's you right. very much, Marine. We appreciate that. So don't hang up. Hang on. Stay right where you are. And friends, don't you go away. There's more to come on Friday Live. Sweet, sweet sound. Yeah.
Uh, I know. I say it every time. That always reminds me of Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're on. Are we on the air? <laughs> We're on. Okay. I'm very casual about this. Who am I talking this? to? Where are you? <laughs> um, so thank you, Maureen, for calling. And of course, um, I think most people know that if you tune in regularly, that is, I went to South River High School and certainly Old Bridge. I grew up in Spotswood. It was all the old stomping ground. Route 18. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you actually grew up in, but there was no, that was the closest high school, South River? Right, yeah, we, we had to bus to South River, but then mm. uh, shortly after that, they started building the Spotswood High School, and now there's... Oh, I didn't even know there was one or not. There oh, one yeah, now there is, yeah. As a matter of fact, after I finished co- my uh, my undergrad, I did my student teaching at Spotswood High School. Oh, really? That was kind of cool. Well, yeah. I taught at my alma mater. I went to St. Peter's did. in New Brunswick and taught at St. Peter's. And you wound up teaching there. Mm. It was like, and that was the time when Welcome Back Cotter was on TV. So it was like, Welcome Back. You Jimbo. had hair like that, didn't I you? I did have hair like that. <laughs> 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 and there's a picture of me floating around somewhere. With bell bottoms. Yeah, Mr. Cotter. Yeah, that was like the, the, the Paisley shirts and the, uh, yeah. the bell bottoms. All right. Was it's that, all coming back, hasn't it? Is it is? Don't I? I wish I saved all that stuff. Bell just bottoms for fun. are coming back. No, yes. come on. Oh yeah. Really? Paisley shirts and ties. Oh sure, it's very popular. Wow. <laughs> I'll get you some for yeah, right, like yeah, Easter yeah. Sunday. Yeah, I'll wear them next time we're doing a TV spot or something. I'll wear. <laughs> I'll wear that clothes. Wear those clothes. Speaking of TV TV spot, did you want to make any sort of announcement or wait? Well, I no, I, I did say we're going down to EWTN on March in March, and um, we're actually we, we were asked to be guests on Jim and Joy's show. Yeah, maybe I could get you bell bottoms for that I'll wear, show. Yeah, they dressed me up for that program. Okay, <laughs> although they said no stripes, so you can't wear your prison outfit. Oh no, not the prison outfit. Not that I have one. <laughs> Horizontal stripes. Can you imagine? But uh, actually, the um, Paisley. Do you remember the Paisley? The, like oh, the patterns? sure. Mm-hmm. Are you serious about that really coming back? I'm serious. I can't believe it. That was crazy. It was, it was crazy styles and big wide ties. They were they were like clown ties. I know. They, were, they had to be like six inches wide or seven inches wide. Really crazy. And really crazy. Uh, You know, on that, um, and I recently saw things like this because Joseph and Tori had a New Year's Eve gathering with some of their friends and they all have to, you know, to take it to the next level. It's not enough just to get together and play some board games or have a couple of drinks and food. They started at, at 2. And so 2 o'clock, one of the couples would host that hour. And so that was the 1920s. They had a dress like this couple dressed like the 1920s. Oh. And they would serve food and play music from the 20s. Oh, then really? Then they had 3 o'clock was the 30s. So each couple was dressed in different decades? Each couple was, yeah, so 20s, 30s, 40s. Angela and her friend were 80s. So I went in, I thought, why are you? I didn't know this until I went in to pick up the children. I said, what are you wearing? And it was obviously 80s. So they said they had so much fun picking out music for the hour. They would sponsor each hour with food. And, of course, they had their outfit and, you know, maybe some trivia and stuff like that. So You know, you can do, I do that with with the Amazon device. And I, I would say... Alexa, oh, sure. play music from 1936, and it's, we'll play music from 1936. It's so easy now. My father would have loved that. He would have yes. loved the, 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 that, yeah. the way you just you can select whatever you want. Right. Of course, now this thing is probably playing music from 1936. Oh, is it going out over the air? Let's see if it's going to... It is. It's playing me. <laughs> it heard you say it? It heard me say it. Yeah? No, I don't... Oh, wait. That's not 1936. That sounds like... Uh, is that the passion? No, that's um, Samuel Barber. Oh yeah. Adagio for strings. That's Where have beautiful. I heard that? Beautiful. Well, 
They did not use it in the Passion of Christ, the film. No. But um, it was certainly not from, not from 1936, is it? Or could it be? It's it's very very possible. Really, see that? See how very. Smart that uh, we're going to look that up, and we're going to get back to you on that. I would not be surprised at all. But it's not what you would expect, like some sort of um, you know, little rascals kind no, of. No, but music. I could say you could say next, and it'll play another song. But I, right. I, I didn't realize this is from that that long ago. It sounds Samuel very, Barber. It's oh, been it's in a movie, gorgeous. though. It's been like the back oh, or something. Oh, sure. Very, very, a lot of movies. There's a CD I would actually well, I'll love. I'll turn it off because it's okay. sad. It's <laughs> yeah, going to be very sad. sad. <laughs> Alexa, um, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to get this CD because it's um, seven or eight selections arranged, set you know, to this um, Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings. Right. One of them is the On You Stay, and a choir sings the text from On You Stay, but this is what they place it on top of. On that? Yeah, and so you'll see there. Yeah. Maybe that's where I've heard it. Uh, do we have that somewhere? I I probably took it out of the library one the time. On Remember those days, <clears throat> library days and borrowing CDs? You know, yeah, everything has changed so much now with I all know. this technology. I was sharing with Father Jason... And uh, Coach McKenna, whose program, Just Be You, airs on Tuesdays at 3.30, air again tomorrow, Saturdays at 9. Just all the methods and means we can, because they were asking about spreading the word. You know, their their program is specifically for, uh, more specifically for high school athletes. And how can the young people listen? Because the young people aren't going to listen to the radio. But we have all these other ways of getting the word out to them through these technologies. So, uh, God is, is this movie, uh, this music from 1936? Yeah, no, yeah. Close. I think about that in 1936. That's only 18 years before I was born. Mm. <laughs> oh, my old. Okay, we're going to take a break. Come back next hour. Oh, I can't wait. Dr. Paul Thigpen's going to join us. He's written a book called Saints Who Saw Hell. And um, Father Chris Rogers with his Gospel Reflection. We're going to have more to talk about, more music. So don't go away, friends. More to come on Friday Live. Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, 
P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. Or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hard-working people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the Gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. The Eucharist is the one presence of Jesus that's real. It is the presence of God. He promised to leave. I will not leave you orphans. There is no comparison between the other presences of God. The presence of God is in His Word. The presence of God is in me and you, or you would dissolve into nothingness. The presence of God is in creation, in the air we breathe. But when that priest says, this is my body, and this is my blood, that is the real presence of God. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. It is Jesus himself, alive. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that persecute you. Forgive not once, but 70 times seven. We have to be honest. We have to be just. And we have to be kind and gentle. Listen to the wisdom of Father Benedict Rochelle weekday mornings at 9 a.m. right here where you are family. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Glory to the Father and to the Son. 
This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. back another hour of Friday Live on this January 17th, the eve of all snow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, a little snow, a little snowy weather in the forecast. And a week before the walk in Washington. Is that a week from today, right? It yeah. is. So we will be, actually, I just got, I just got the, I didn't look at it closely, but I know we got a uh, special program schedule maybe. from the network on what the schedule for the day will be. And I, I don't, I don't think they go till five o'clock, but uh they may run over into the 4 o'clock hour. I'll have to double-check and see what we're doing oh, next week. But, um, right. Anyway, so that'll be next Friday. And uh, go to our bulletin board, uh, domesticchurchmedia.org, and click on the bulletin board link, because I know there are opportunities. I think Rachel Hendricks has put on there also a website or a link to a website for buses throughout the Diocese of Trenton. Yes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. check that out. There'll be a bus from St. Magdalene's in Flemington. So if you go are to Are they that... looking to fill it? Um. They say they usually fill it, okay. and we have a, a huge pro-life, uh, what do you call it, you know, ministry or committee or, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they usually fill it. And and the parish, there's, it's a big parish, and people are very devoted to this, but they say the seats are on a first-come, first-served basis. So if you're in that area, you know, hop by the parish, grab a bulletin, and you can sign up for the bus. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to read our gospel for this coming Sunday as the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, I believe. Uh, And then um, Father Chris Rogers is here. He'll give his reflection. Uh, Also, later on this hour, our friend Paul Thigpen will join us and talk about his brand new book called called Saints Who Saw Hell. Mm. You'll be reading that one, too. Yeah, that one looks very interesting. I, I love his writings. He's very much aware of the spiritual warfare out there and is very, very direct about it. So, And anyway. we've had him on before. Oh, right? sure. He's been, he's been yeah, on a number very of times. Familiar yeah. okay. okay, so this is uh, Sunday's Gospel and then the reflection by Father Chris Rogers. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, He is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Greetings, everyone, and praise be Jesus Christ. For the past month and a half, we have been living in an extraordinary time in the liturgical life of the church. 
a very special time. We began a new church year with the season of Advent. That season oriented us directly to the coming of Christ, his person and his mission. And as we know so well, he came. We have celebrated the holy season of Christmas, the birth of Jesus, his family, his mother, his revelation to the nations. And just last week, we celebrated his baptism. This week, as we come back and arrive to church, we find now that we're in ordinary time. But there's nothing ordinary about it. In fact, when the church uses that word to describe this season, she is referring to the numbered of weeks that lead us through this year. And today we find ourselves in this second week of the year. And as such, we find not another event, not another revelation, but we find the beginning of Jesus' public work. And we hear a most important word. In fact, we are presented this week with the first command, if you will, of John's gospel. It's a word. Behold. John sees Jesus coming, he points him out, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. In Latin, Ecce Agnus Dei. What's interesting is that this word that we see in the beginning of the gospel, we will hear at the end as Pilate tells the people to behold the man. And again, how important that word is. In fact, it's a beginning word. It's a necessary word. And it is the word that sets us up for living the Christian life, to behold. To behold is more than seeing. It's contemplating. To behold is more than doing. It's being. And to behold more than anything else is a call to be taken up in the mystery of what we see. This is precisely what John the Baptist did. His entire life was beholding the mystery. This is what our Blessed Mother did, was beholding the mystery. And having celebrated the events of Christ's birth, of his baptism, of his revelation to the nations, this now is the call of what we ought to do. To behold the Lamb of God. My friends, that is so beautiful. It is so important. And it's so necessary. And how wonderful it is that we hear this invitation, this command, as we enter this week. This week in our country, we remember events that orient us toward beholding life. We remember those sins that come from not beholding life. This week, we will recall the life of Martin Luther King Jr. and his entire effort, his entire zeal to end racism, to highlight the importance of life. And in this same week, we remember the tragedy of Roe versus Wade and what happens when life is not beheld. 
it's always then destroyed. A beautiful model in recent days, in recent years, and this year marks the 36th anniversary of it, was the life of Dr. Bernard Nathanson. Bernard Nathanson was the leading abortionist in New York City, the founder of the National Association for the Repeal of Abortion Laws. And after years of abortion, through the grace of God and through the science of ultrasound, Bernard Nathanson beheld the baby in the womb. And when that happened, he experienced a dramatic conversion. He was baptized. He was forgiven his sins. He came into the fullness of life in the Catholic Church. And he was taken up into a mystery which was so far more powerful, so, so much more hopeful than what he knew. And my friends, you and I are called to the same. As we begin this ordinary time, as we begin this new time in our lives, in the life of the church, it begins with this call to behold. The first reading this weekend from Isaiah 49 will teach us to know that we have been formed in the womb, that God has called us for great things. And our response this week gives us the proper words, the proper response, having beheld God, having come to know who we are and who he is. Our prayer is, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. As we have celebrated the mystery of Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us, the journey now to him begins. And it begins by our beholding the mystery so as to be taken up into Christ, so as to know who we are and who he calls us to be. This week, let us do what John commands. Let us behold the Lamb of God, for in beholding him is our peace.
Now, was that Simonetta? Simonetta, one word, F- Familiar one voice, name. people, if you listen to the rosary or pray the rosary in the morning at 9.30. With Father Grisha. Simonetta in the background there doing her yes. little... And it sounds like Carly Simon, Yeah. <laughs> if you ask me. There's some Carly Simon there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is she still alive, Carly Simon? Yes. She is? Mm-hmm. Still doing Gotta things. Gotta be in her 70s, though. Well, there was a, uh, a Broadway show. Oh, that was Carol King. Oh, no, that King. was Carol King. Carol That's King. right. They were both at the same time mm-hmm. period, but... Yeah, she's still doing her thing. Okay, well, uh, I found something on Church Pop. That's a fun <laughs> now, website. Friends, if you're listening now and you want to text in your response, you can text us here at 609-493-8255. That's our number to text. I'll get the text right here in the studio, 609-493-8255. But it was something on um, uh, Church Pop this week, 15 things that need to stop happening during Mass. I could name. I think I could name one. So I'll start with number fifteen. We'll oh, go okay. down the list. All right. All right. I'd I'd like to see if this is on the list, but that's okay. Well, first one is number fifteen: holding hands during the Our Father. Oh, yeah. I mean that that's got to be on Catholic Answers Live every night. Somebody asked, "Can we still hold hands during the Our Father?" <laughs> no. It? It's from the seventies, right? Or but people, it's from st- the... people still do it. Though. I know. 
but you're from not charismatic to do it. movement. I don't maybe? know what it's from, but they you're not. But it's not. It's not you're not supposed to. Not supposed to do that. So that's. So these are the 15 things people should stop doing during mass on church pop. Uh, number 14, genuflecting towards the altar when the tabernacle is located somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be bowing to Jesus, and he's not always the, front center. The Lord. Well, hopefully he's more, more now than before. But, right, uh, I think more and more. You know, when Bishop O'Connell first came to the diocese, that's one of the first things he did was move the tabernacle in the cathedral here in Trenton. It was off on a side altar. He mm. moved it to the main altar. Hmm. But anyway, see, so yeah, don't you're not genuflecting to the altar, you're genuflecting to Jesus, and he's in the tabernacle. Um, and sad is the day if you have to go looking for it. Not ringing the bells during consecration. So you have to. You have to right, ring the so bells. Right, so it's saying stop doing these things. Stop not ringing the bells mm-hmm, during gotcha, consecration. Double negative there. But. So uh, right. hopefully you have bells. Now, I know when I would do music at Mass, and we did it for many years together, um, I would, you know, I was in a position off the sanctuary there where I could see the entire congregation. So I would notice a lot of these things. And you too now, where you are in your position in your church, your position oh, you where you can see, see the congregation. Yeah. Right? Um, number 12, these are 15 things people should stop doing in Mass, dressing improperly. Mm. You see a lot of that? Well, not well, let's not say your church. Uh, no, <laughs> but, uh, no, but no. I think you'll find offenses there in the summertime, especially down the shore. I don't think now. Mm. No, now you know people, people are, are bundled dressed. up. Yeah. But you know, but what does that mean? Improperly, like I know my my dad used to wear a tie to mass every Sunday. Right. Yeah. People rarely wear. I think that's get changed. Get that dressed up. Easter and Christmas maybe, but mm-hmm. other than that, you'll see jeans and sports shirts, and right. you know they're going to mass, and then they're going to the soccer game or with something. But in the summer, you, it's the short shorts. And, and I agree little... that you need to dress properly. Like I would say, improper is is just you know scantily clad type of dress mm-hmm. on women and and men with you know maybe just a t shirt on or something. Mm-hmm. But the other side of that, aside from the Im- improper, you know in you know, bathing suit type of dress, <laughs> jeans, sneakers. Aren't we happy they're there? Yes. I don't know. I just think it. And Jesus sees us naked, so what does he care? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what I mean? I don't know. That's just, I always think that I, I, I'm happy people are there. I mean, they should be there with the right attitude and the right respect for where you are. And who knows their situation? That's Maybe true. they don't have a suit or the fancy That's true. dress. But I know Father Groeschel on his program would point out, because he worked in the South Bronx, he would say the the, the uh, old black women who would go to their church services were finely dressed. Dressed to the nines. They big dressed hat. To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and you're going to the Lord's house. I mean, how would you dress if you were invited to lunch at, at the White House? Right. You know? But then I also, the other side, we had a big discussion of this in pastoral council 25 years ago. I also said, well, when I go visit my father and mother, I don't. I can dress casually because they're my parents. Yeah, well, that's a very good point. But then you know that's just mm-hmm. a different thing. Well, uh, when you go to Europe and, and visit the cathedrals, they'll say no bare shoulders. Oh, you know, you have too. To, yeah. Right. And right. They, if you have short skirts on, they'll give you a paper skirt to wear. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's fine fashion. Okay, next. Uh, number eleven. Well, this makes uh, complete sense. These are fifteen things should, people should stop doing at mass. Receiving holy communion in the state of mortal sin. Well, that's a sacrilege, obviously. Yes. Sadly, though, people don't realize sometimes that that's, you know, mm. like how many sacrileges were committed on Christmas Day, people who hadn't been to Mass 
In a year. In a year. <laughs> or six months. But they have to be aware of the fact that missing mass intentionally is a yeah. mortal sin. Yeah, so. that's a tough one. Uh, bad preaching during homilies. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment on that one. Um, number nine, leaving mass early. Oh, yeah. That should be number one. Oh, people, I, you know, I remember it was probably Father Karapi when he said, you know, Judas was the first one to leave mass early. <laughs> uh, you know, and again, from our vantage point, when you were doing music, sure. and certainly now the where the, the choir area and the organ are angled, I can see everything. And I'll see someone and, oh, I haven't seen them or I wanted to catch them after mass. I wanted to say this. And then it's it's like communion is ending and and there's a moment of silence. And I look out like, by golly, they're gone. Mm. <laughs> but by golly, many people are gone. Yeah, yeah. And you can I mean, see it. Yeah, people who go right from the com- reception of communion out the, why. out the side door. What's another three minutes, five minutes yeah. tops? So stop doing that. Okay. Um, let's see. Oh, number eight, uh, not donating. And, of course, uh, we need to tithe and, and give to our parish. But I say to these days, too, you see people who don't give money in the basket, but they also offer the, the option of donating online. Right, right. So Every parish can't... now seems to have a donation online option. So if you yes. don't, if you see someone not giving, uh, putting that money, doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, they, we can't they, be judging. Not at right. all. Um, this one is a horrible thing. Number seven, keeping your phone ringer on when you go to mass. Oh, gee. <laughs> How many times do you hear phones go phones off go during off. mass? It's the first thing I do when I walk in is turn my phone off. Otherwise, yeah. you know. Uh, this, too, bothers me. Excessive socializing before mass. Mm. Um, you know, there's time for that. And I, I always go back and I've mentioned it many, many times on my program many years ago, Cardinal Bevel Lockwood Road. Maybe used to have that uh, monthly newsletter he'd put out to all the parishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one month that he put out and he was talking about just this, about socializing and talking before and after mass in the church. He said, that may be the only time in the entire week that a person may have quiet time with God. Yes. And you're disturbing that. You know, you can talk outside, you can talk in the foyer, you can talk in the parking lot, mm-hmm. uh, but don't talk. You know, and I, and sadly, it, it seems to be older people who do more of that than yeah. not. And yeah. I'm getting older myself, but I hope I don't get like that. But yeah. then I, I think. just out of respect for, you know, Jesus is there. We're, we're coming for that hour. Let's and, just focus on that. And people who are and in then, prayer, though, too. It's there. People well, go, yeah. and, you know, I like, I like, I get to, to my. When I go to church on Sundays, I get there probably about 25 minutes before Mass begins. Just I to see spend people time. praying yeah. the rosary and sure. You know, so yeah. don't disturb that. Um, number four, wandering around during the sign of peace. <laughs> peace sign during the sign of peace. You know, the two fingers, peace sign. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, wandering around is good. I remember there was a... I, I, I've was never a, seen that. I was at a Mass about a year or two ago where the priest actually came off out, off the sanctuary down the aisle oh, the first cup hugging people <laughs> um okay then we have these are 15 things you shouldn't you should stop doing at mass uh, church pop is where i'm getting this from receiving from the cup when you are sick mm. yeah i agree speak getting back to the sign of peace you don't have to literally physically shake someone's hand. Right. It's you don't, absolutely. I, you don't. Ha- we've had this discussion before. Right. I don't do that. I, I, I smile and I, Nod, I, make, wave, I put my hand up and wish them peace. But you don't have to. Sh- and I've had people put their hands out to me and I, I don't yeah, shake them. Please don't it. be insulted by that. Especially now, flu season, cold season. Yeah. Let's just be safe and not spread any germs. And, you know, for me... If I get a cold, this is my, you know, right. It's, I right. can't, I can't risk that. 
Um, but I do wish you a sign of peace. Mm-hmm. I always do that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, number two. You'll like this one because I think you're in charge of these guys, these people. Too many extraordinary ministers at the Holy Eucharist. Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, rightfully, it should be the, the priests, then the deacons, those then, ordained ministers. And then only in an extraordinary situation, you use extraordinary ministers. Right. And there's no reason to have 10 people up there. I mean, have the immediate one or two extra. So communion takes a minute longer. I mean, they think we need to spread 10 people out so everything just keeps moving. This is not... Well, and also, as I understand it, is it's in the absence of a priest or a deacon mm-hmm. that they're needed. And, mm-hmm. and I think if there are uh, um, Eucharistic ministers, oh, no, what's the official name now? Extraordinary, Extraordinary ministers of yeah. Holy Communion. Um, and the priest is sitting up in his chair and not distributing communion. Yeah. But there's there's another side to that, too. I mean, all this takes a little bit of discussion. Um, we had an elderly priest who had such difficulty. Mm. We have the steps. I guess many churches yeah, different, do. Yeah, different story. And um, just to get up there, a deacon would have to help him. He was just less mobile right. than some of the other priests. Right. So no, that's understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the number one, 15 things that need to stop happening during Mass. The number one thing? Clapping. <laughs> yeah, I remember Clapping. those days, too. It's n- the farthest thing from any kind of performance in any way. I know. But, but are people joyful and they want to express something? I don't know. Well, I mean, there's a psalm that says, all you people clap your hands. Yeah. You praise to the glory of God. I mean, I know. You know, I, and there's also in one of the psalms about play your stringed instruments loudly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, you On know, 5,000 years ago. The timbre and the drum. Right, right. A psalm 150, I believe. So, uh, yeah. you know, and there is... You know, and you say that when we we did music together for many years, twenty some years ago, and at the end of the liturgy, people would clap. Right. And I always felt, you know, please, it's not about. And I would just turn away. I would turn my back yeah, and just face the tabernacle. Yeah. Uh, and it isn't about us. But then I then you think, you know, we there were so many people there, and I I would see people when we were during communion, they would come up, people in tears, and you know, you don't know what's going through their hearts or their minds, right? And the music and what they're do, what you know, what what them. what the spirits doing in them, you know. Um, right. But yeah, I think just on a general basis, like clapping at every little thing is a little. So bit. the two things that I wanted to see on there Are were not. not. Oh, what were they? I was thinking children eating Cheerios, you know, children <laughs> with food, yeah, well, snacks. Yeah. And that I, I remember we had the cleaning crew and they would say, we, we vacuum up more dropped cereal than anything else. And then texting. I do see oh, really? people on their phones. <clears throat> texting. Now, who knows? Are they reading along with the, who knows? Well, that's a different Are thing. I, I have my, I, you know, I take out my domestic church media app, which is free, by the way. Yeah. And I do have that out before mass. Because I have prayers on there. And, and, yes, and, that's and, true. And I'm looking at it. And I, even true. during mass. You can follow along with the readings on our Domestic Church Media app, which is free. Mm. You can download yours. We can't assume that people are doing the wrong thing. And here's a perfect example. Somebody noticed. He says to me after Mass, did you see that guy who was over there balancing his checkbook? I said, I did see him because he was sitting. He was writing a check, writing a check yeah. for the for the basket. Right. You know, so let's not jump yeah, Let's not that. be so judgmental. <laughs> so anyway, that was from Church Focus, Pop. That, that was Church Pop. Focus on the Lord. And, and, and of course, it is a communal you know, mass is communal. It's not individual. We're there as a community, as as a people mm-hmm. of God. So anyway, that's true. You can check it out. Churchpop.com. It's all right there. That's uh, where I got that from. So, Fun. all right, let's take a break. When I come back, when we come back, we're going to be joined by our friend, uh, Dr. Paul Thigpen, his brand new book, Saints Who Saw Hell and right. Other Catholic Witnesses 
to the fate of the damned. We need some spooky music. Yeah, we'll have uh, Dr. Thigpen join us in just a bit. So you stay where you are, friends. <laughs> More to come on Friday Live.
All righty, welcome back, friends. And, uh, well, gnawing worms, unquenchable fire, utter darkness, weeping and gnashing of teeth with these fearful words, our Lord warns sternly that hell is real and that we ourselves could end up there. And since ancient times, Catholic saints and other visionaries have reported viewing horrific scenes of eternal punishment. And in his new book, Paul Thigpen, Saints Who Saw Hell, tells us some of those stories and other information. Paul, welcome to the program. Great to be here, Jim. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. It's always a joy to have you here because, as I was sharing with Cheryl off uh, mic before, I said, you know, you always have such very, very astute insight into this this horrible spiritual warfare that we're in. And, you know, we've talked before and we've shared many of your books, your spiritual warfare uh, Bible and other and and this is a very it's an important topic because uh, hell hasn't gone away. Hell is is real, and uh, people may go there, right? It is, and uh, you know, hell, though hell hasn't gone away, the awareness of it for a lot of folks has. Uh, they think of it as you know superstition or just metaphorical language or that kind of thing. So that's really one of the reasons for um, for writing the book. It was uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth who once said that um, the people have lost, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but people have lost kind of the sense that hell is real and that they may go there. So I think it's it's past time to talk about it. So, mm-hmm. so let's let's let, first of all, the, the Church's definition of hell. And I know uh, St. Pope John Paul II, back in 1999, there were three consecutive uh, general audiences where he taught each week. Once uh, One week was about heaven, one was about purgatory, one was about hell. And he, I remember the, the press went wild because he said it's not a physical place, it's a state of being. And, of course, the headline was, Pope says hell is not a place. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, they jumped all over that. But it is a state of being, and, and people may go there. The Church has never taught anyone by name is there, but that it is a very real possibility that people may go there. Well, one of the things uh, you know, I discovered in my research in this book is that the Church doesn't, you know, definitively teach about any particular person, though you could make the argument that Scripture sure seems to come pretty close to that uh, with regard to Judas. Mm-hmm. He's called the son of, of damnation, you know, for instance. Right. Um, and that if it would be better if he had never been born, mm-hmm. which you, I don't think you would, you know, you would say of someone who was going to eventually end up in heaven. Mm-hmm. But um, in addition to that, is that you have some people like Pope St. Gregory the Great, you know, doctor of the Church, father of the Church, who reports visions of individuals in hell and then uh, people who die, someone has a vision. Um, anyway, he, he reports it without any problem, apparently, that, that he seems to believe that by private revelation, sometimes God does show us. Now, that's different from public revelation. Mm-hmm. So as you said, the Church hasn't you know, defined particular people, but, but it sure seems uh, for him and for other saints that it's, uh, it's sometimes by God, God by private revelation just, just might do that. Mm-hmm. Now, in the in the book, and again, we're talking with Paul Thigpen. The book is called "Saints Who Saw Hell and Other Catholic Witnesses to the Fate of the Dam," published by Tan Books, by the way, TanBooks.com. In your research and in preparing for and writing the book, Paul, uh, did you find out uh, information or, or particular saints that you weren't aware of who actually saw these visions of hell, or anything in particular that really struck you as 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 more frightening than you ever could have imagined? <laughs> well, yeah, some of the golly, some of the visions, yeah, are, are pretty terrifying. I, uh, I found an interesting. Well, I just mentioned Pope Saint Gregory. He he reports six visions by other people, and 
And uh, that's kind of a surprise, you know, when you think about the kinds of things he usually focused on. He was trying to hold the whole Rome together during a time of, of great uh, disaster, and he, um, you know, was involved in, in chant, liturgical music, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then uh, he reported these things as, as very important. Um, saint, saint Bede, who is sometimes called Bede the Venerable, uh, English saint, uh, from not long after that, how he, he usually is focused so much on Scripture and history, he's known as the father of English history, to see him reporting, you know, similar kinds of things. Uh, St. Alphonse of Liguori, you know, you think of him in uh, in ways, it's just often it was just a saint that we all know for certain things, but then come to find out that they had, you know, had these other concerns as well. The same thing happened when I was doing um, Saints Who Battle Satan, that everyone has a kind of a notion of St. Francis of Assisi, kind of this, you know, sweet, loving, and he was, um, you know, the, the flower children of the 60s adopted him, but didn't didn't find out, you know, until I did my research that he had a lot of spiritual battles with the devil. I was very, very clear about all that stuff. Mm-hmm. All those, um, you know, all of those, there were some ancient writings attributed to saints, uh, probably not by those saints, but it, I felt it was important to kind of round out the book with people. That's why I have this the subheading and other Catholic witnesses made of the dam. There were so many interesting things, uh, some of which actually had influence on, on later uh, thinking about hell, that it was uh, important to include uh, from first of all, from pretty much every period, and second, uh, visions that are kind of attributed to saints and other Catholic visionaries, even someone like Dante with legendary literary visions. So, mm-hmm. The Voyage of St. Brendan, those who know his story, I uh, think it's, he's mostly just out on a boat with his monks looking uh, from island to island, but they, in that, that I would consider a legendary vision, it's very interesting, the island they have that they encounter that's at the gates of hell. Mm, okay, St. Brendan the Navigator, he's known as. In fact, we have a parish here in our listing area mm-hmm. uh, by that name. Would you find—now, I did not uh, read the book yet. Were there similarities, th- that, like a, any kind of running thread that each um, doctor of the Church or, you know, more contemporaries, was there any sort of running similarity between their visions? Yes, you know, and, and the ones that we already— we find in Scripture in that um, that references, as Jim started out with, of different kinds of torments. Uh, but but more importantly, I think that in all of them, it's very clear that as uh, I think as the Catechism says when it talks about hell, that it's the state of definitive self exclusion from the from an eternity with God. They they emphasize that again and again that it was something chosen ultimately, and that. The, that's, that's one thing, and then kind of coming out of that is uh, the reality that what's going on inside the heart in the sense of regret is the most terrible torment of all, mm-hmm. that you can be, you know, boiling in oil, oil or, or the equivalent of, you know, what that would be like at, at a spiritual level, and yet the most horrible thing is what's going on inside, that you realize you chose this, you realize that there's no remedy, there's no hope, like in Dante's Inferno, this vision of hell, mm-hmm. the gates of hell have a sign that say, enter here all ye, or abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, that they've chosen it, that they have no more, that they're totally despair, they could have done otherwise, um, and they're surrounded by other people with the same kind of horror mm-hmm. going on inside. 
as, you know, as I read through some of these um, passages you put in here and, and examples you, you you share with us in the book, and I, I think of, you know, this, I guess this is always a struggle we have, and we try to, to, to rationalize hell with an all-merciful God, but it's not God who sends the soul there, it's the soul, him or herself, who chooses to go there. The, the choices we make, yeah. It is, and you know, our, you know, our modern, because we've lost not just our sense of hell in our modern culture, but the sense of sin, mm. that makes it harder for people to accept that, because they say, oh, sin's not so bad. <clears throat> this this notion of mortal sin, that's not so bad. You could do that, that could actually keep you away from God forever. Um, the the light, more lightly we treat the sense of sin, the more lightly we will think of hell. Mm-hmm. And, um, Yeah. Oh, I was going to say the scary thing for me, and which is we happened to have this conversation last night. We had a, a church meeting, and we really got off the track. But the next thing you know, we were talking about the um, the younger people and and even some older people that have left the faith and will outright admit, oh, I don't believe any of that stuff anymore." Like, and they were Catholic, and and maybe received all their sacraments, um, whether or not they they fled the faith, you know, when they were away at college and fell off the bus, or what happened to them? But it's, how can we impress upon these people, look, this is real. Uh, And and, hell is a very real possibility. Well, yeah, and not necessarily that they're doing all kinds of wacky stuff, but the fact that they just don't believe anything. It's like, what can we do other than say, well, I'm going to pray for you, but I believe in this, and and I'm going to pray for you because I, I think you need to know. You need to that give him this book is what you need to do. That, okay, maybe that's the answer. That, thank you for the book. Yeah. That's, that's, passing them out. That's what you got to do. It. Give them this right, book, then. and they'll scare the hell out of them. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but that is not not a laughing matter, obviously. But it is it is something I think, uh, Paul, that is so necessary. And we've talked about this in, in even in your other works on spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. That this is a very real thing that that is happening spiritually, and that there is an ultimate end to this life, and we're going to be one of two places in the end. And hell is a very real place, just as real as heaven is, and and there is possibility that we could go there if we so choose. Um, and you were writing, and again, we're talking with Paul Thigpen, uh, Saints Who Saw Hell, published by Tan Books, TanBooks.com. Uh, in your writing, uh, Paul, do you feel that that's 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 a good purpose for this book? Is that there may be people who question, who doubt, who don't believe to say, "Let me just show you." These are some some very holy people who had these visions. Well, that and also the reason I started out with kind of a you know, introductory section is that some people, you know, it's just like with the gospel in general, some people are going to be more convinced. It's going to weigh more heavily with them to hear these kind of testimonies. Other people need something a little more cerebral, like, okay, show me the logic of this, mm-hmm. uh, what if, and the illogic of what I believe. And so that's why the whole first section, I have an introduction, hell matters, and remember the end of your life. What do we do make of these visions, glimpses of hell in Scripture, for those who may not realize just how important it is in Scripture. If you, if you write this off, you're writing off Scripture, basically. Mm-hmm. But to, to help them understand, and, and to relieve them of the um, of the misperception that, uh, the, especially the one we've talked about, that this kind of it's, it's a superstition that this mean, nasty God, if you don't jump through all the hoops, he's going to send you eternal fire. Mm-hmm. To help them understand what you know, the hell is, it's, it's you've decided that something's more important to you than God, mm-hmm. and and you'll you'll in in the end, to see as Lewis once said, a Christian writer that 
Um, we may pray in, in the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done, but in the end, to those who say, I reject you, I don't want you, to God by their life, in the end he says, okay, Thy will be done. I'll, mm. I'll let you have what, you, what you've asked for. Right. Mm. And, that, and there's a... There's a, a a beautiful passage again. It's it's private revelation, but the church accepts it as worthy of belief in, in Faustina's diary, where she relays the revelation to her of the despairing soul with the all merciful God, and and that's that's exactly what happens. Is God will he, the last thing God wants for any of His children is to be eternally uh, damned. Into, yeah. um, <laughs> so He offers the mercy, but if the soul rejects the mercy, you know what can God do? He's going to He's going to let the soul. He's going to not impose His will on the soul and let the soul decide. This is where you want to be, and um, I think it's 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 an excellent work, Paul, as always. And we encourage our listeners again to to. Uh, Check it out. Paul Thigpen has been our guest. Saints Who Saw Hell and Other Catholic Witnesses to the uh, Fate of the Damned. It's published by Tan Books, tanbooks.com, and very interesting read. And, and Paul, again, as always, we thank you for sharing your time and and sharing your talent and your gifts in this very special book. Thank you both, Tim and Cheryl, for the invitation. God bless you and all your listeners. God bless you. We'll look forward to the next thing. Don't don't hesitate to let us know. We'll have you on next time. Stay in touch. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Okay. God bless you. And friends, you stay where you are. We'll be back with more Friday Live in just a bit. It started like it does for many people. Question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going, and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. What have you done for your marriage today? Today, I used the towel that was already damp after my shower so that he would have the dry one. I called my wife on the phone, and I told her, Sue, I love you, and I meant it. I went from the lobby of my hotel back to our hotel room five times to pick up the video camera. I took time out at lunch to make sure that we had an opportunity to to spend time together. Then to go back and pick up the bachelor. What have I done for my marriage today? Today? What do we do? It's what did you do? What did I do? I shopped. Then to go back and pick up our handbag. What have I done for my marriage today? I flirted with my husband like when we first got married. I made the bed for my wife because she usually does, and I even put the pillows in the right place. Then to go back and look for something she'd forgotten that wasn't in the room either, and I did it with a smile. What have you done for your marriage today? Try something new to make yours great. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. A missionary priest in the Sudan talks about his service in this troubled African nation. In the worst of times, Father says, we must stay with the people, serving them as our brothers and sisters, as our family. 
Through His consistent presence, many have come to know Jesus and are consoled and encouraged despite the overwhelming odds. We are all God's children. Let us pray especially for those who tell others of God's great love for each one of us and those consoled by their message. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family and mission. Pope Francis reminds us that it does not take a specialized degree in theology to become a great evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. Think about the woman at the well. After she encountered Jesus, she immediately went into the city and invited others to meet him as she had. You and I can go out now and do the same. And St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. Get involved today by contacting us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. <laughs> oh, dear. That's the trouble with open mics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we're back on the air now. Okay. Yeah. I'm just flipping through the book wondering. I, I was looking for pictures. Yeah. Scary stuff. Yeah. Very real. But yeah, I need 10 of these. And when people say, I don't know. I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Take a look at this. No, I know. I mean, I... I he has I, done some extensive research. Yes, he has. Very, very good. Yes, he has. And, uh, you know, you're reading through that book. And a lot of great... Uh, John, St. John Bosco was in there. And uh, I mean, yeah. it's obviously, I, and now, you know, the thing about the visions is that they're, they're private revelations. So the church will teach that you don't have to believe them. But the church does teach that there is such a, a state of being as hell. Mm-hmm. And it's a very real. And it, it's. Well, the uh, fact that these people, you know, um, St. Faustina, all, all these, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Hildegard, St. Gregory the Great, as he mentioned, St. Bede. These are St. John Bosco, St. Therese of Avila. Mm-hmm. These aren't just J- John Smith from down the street. No. You know, the, and maybe that's why these doctors of the church were given the visions that people would respect and honor. Well, it's just not anybody saying this. Mm-hmm. No. Well, another book on my nightstand. Yeah, I know. that. I Actually, I have, I have uh, Paul Thigpen's next to my easy chair there in the family room. Spiritual Spiritual warfare. Yeah, very good. I meant to start reading that last Lent, <laughs> so I'll, I'll make it a point of reading it this Lent. Uh, my Lenten reading, I didn't get to it last year. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of books there. One by Father Groeschel on private revelation. All kinds of neat books there. I'm just not taking the time to read, which I should be. It's fascinating. I think because it's so mysterious, and we really don't know everything about it. Just like people will say, "Well, what's purgatory like?" Mm-hmm. We we really don't know. But we, we can look to these well, there are great saints who, masters. There are saints so, who saw purgatory, too. Another right, book. Right. Another book. Okay, another book, Dr. One. Paul. You can write one. You mm-hmm. can write that book uh, about purgatory. But anyway, you're planning, even when on my when, uh, my departure from this world, so you're already planning your cruise. Every time one of those cruise commercials comes on television. See, that's what I would. <laughs> you look over me in a funny way, like, when are you going? <laughs> I do not. Don't give the listeners the wrong impression. You always like your eyes light up. You see these, uh, and you see a lot more of them now. I was with the, the, uh, the Viking cruise. Viking cruises oh, yes. and things. Cruise through seems Europe. to be the way to go. We've never that been on a cruise. No, you're planning it to use my insurance money. Is what you're I planning? You told you said that last week. You said that. <laughs> use my, I was. Mo- it was more like you and I, I were c- driving somewhere. You said, you know, uh, when you go, you know what I really want to do? <laughs> go on one of those European river cruises. 
Every day we are closer mm. to the last day. That's right. And I do have insurance, so you'll, you'll be able to pay for <laughs> But in trip. the meantime, I'm feeling fabulous. It just, you know, yeah, hang in no, there. People, no. are you sick? Are you coughing? Are you sneezing? The head colds, the flu, the bronchitis. And that's why I don't shake hands at mass. Right. But hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. Rest and drink loads of water. Give up on the antibiotics and switch to whiskey or scotch. You can gargle with that. It really just kills all the germs. Oh, it does. But I'm feeling wonderful, and it's been a long time coming, so praise the good Lord for that. I am very happy. It's good to hear. You're feeling better. You you got sick before Christmas. It was right after All Saints. It was, well, you know, between All Saints and Thanksgiving, somewhere in the middle of the. I started. But that cough lingers. Right through. I was sick over Christmas. Mm -hmm. Had no voice. One of those, you know, Christmas morning, woke up with no voice. Mm. Fever for five or something days. Wow. Le- you know, and finally, uh, what feeling, is it? Feeling better today. January 16th. It's two months. Yeah. Well, that lasts. They said, didn't they say, didn't someone tell you when you first got that cough it was going to mm. last a long time? Yeah, and they were right. And they were right. <laughs> it goes away, though. It does. It gets better. So have hope. Right. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. So thank in you to... In sickness and in health. Christina Chase, who has written that book, It's Good to Be Here, and uh, uh, Paul Thigpen with his Visions of Hell. Mm. Always nice to hear from Paul. And uh, Sandy coming up... Oh, we have Bruce and Linda on Monday. We do. Although it is a holiday, uh, Bruce and Linda will be here for mm. Come to the Throne. So friends, don't forget to send in your prayer requests. We have that special email set up, pray at domesticchurchmedia.org. That's pray at domesticchurchmedia.org. And uh, you can send your prayer request. You can also uh, text us during the program. Bruce will be here from 3 to 4 on Monday. And call in. They love to speak with you. He loves to pray with you over the air and, uh, you know, share that time with you. So that's coming up Monday at 3 o'clock. Also, uh, let's see, tomorrow, 9 o'clock, the encore episode of Just Be You with Father Jason and Coach McKenna. And Talking Catholic at 11 o'clock on Sunday with a brand new episode. So all these local programs that mm. are important that we have on here. So It's great to hear the voices that are just either around the corner or across the county or across the state. That's right. So Thanks. I'll be with Bruce here on Monday in the studio. I'll be back with my program on Tuesday. We'll be back next Friday. I'm not sure how long the March for Life yeah. is going to be covered by the network into our hour or not. But we'll be here one way or another, uh, either at 4 or 5 o'clock. So have a great weekend. Stay warm and don't fall down. Yes. (laughs) Be safe tomorrow. God bless you.